You're listening to the Lessons in Real Estate Show, sponsored by Mission First Capital, bringing real estate investment deals for active duty and veteran investors. Your host, Anthony Pinto, searched land, air, and sea to find military investors just like you investing in multifamily and commercial real estate, both active duty and veterans. Hear their stories, learn their lessons, and be inspired by the obstacles they have overcome on their path to financial freedom. Whether you are overseas or stationed at home, if you want to get started as a military real estate investor, this is the show for you. And now your host, Anthony Pinto. I'm so excited to have you guys here today on the revamped new and improved version of the Lessons in Real Estate show. I wanted to refocus on my mission here in life uh, with this podcast, and that is to help teach and inspire 1 million military members and veterans to achieve financial freedom through real estate. And as a part of the March to a Million campaign, my call is to show you the path to freedom of time and money, whether you intend to stay in for 20 years or get out next year. And so listen to the stories of fellow military members and investors just like you struggling, overcoming, and achieving success in multifamily real estate, and even some of them doing it while active duty, and really dig into their lessons learned, as well as their failures on their path to success. Uh, But you came here for the show, so let's get to it. Hey learners, and welcome to another episode of the Lessons in Real Estate show. I am your host, Anthony Pinto, and again, we have a great guest, military officer, a guy I've known for quite a bit and uh, seen just, you know, blow up in the real estate realm. But uh, we have Hirsch Wright on here today. He is an active duty naval officer who specializes in cryptological warfare. And he's currently serving on the cyber missions team based out of Hawaii. He's also the managing partner for Raivu Capital, which focuses on acquisitions and investor relations. And he is also the co-host of the Multifamily Opportunities via Values, Education, and Socialization Meetup. Uh, which is a virtual meetup to teach about multifamily investing and presents unique spe- guest speakers to speak on business and real estate investing topics better, ed- better educate attendees. Wow, that's a mouthful. Hirsch, welcome to the show. Anthony, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and I'm really excited to get this conversation started. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You know, it's uh, it's been a real pleasure to watch your progress over the, really, I guess it's been the past year or so of uh, since you, you originally contacted me and, and, you know, just blowing up all over the place and all over LinkedIn. So I, I think you have a really compelling story to share with a lot of guys who are, uh, you know, are incense, maybe just graduated from the academy and uh, are kind of stumbling upon this real estate investing field before they really get started on their military careers and kind of building that up as they go. So I'm excited to have you, you know, talk about how you got started, how, you know, your military background, how that got you into real estate and everything that's really happened over this last year. But let's start with your military background. Sure. So um, like Anthony mentioned, I am an active duty Naval officer. I graduated from the Naval Academy back in 2019, did my master's and my uh, bachelor's uh, in computer science, was able to attend pretty universally completion of my bachelor's degree at the Naval Academy. And I've been extremely fortunate to stumble upon real estate during that time. And uh, now I'll be serving in a cyber missions team role, as Anthony mentioned, uh, over at NSA Hawaii. So awesome. So you're, yeah, you're an ensign still right now, right? Yes. So I'm still an ensign and uh, up for promotion in May. Uh, and yes, I will be at my first operational tour by then. So looking forward to that. <laughs> awesome. 
No, I think that's great. Cause I think, uh, you know, a lot of guys that uh, we have come on the podcast are, you know, our chiefs or senior chiefs or senior lieutenants or guys who have already put in five, you know, 10 years in, in service. And it's not often that we find guys who are just getting started uh, or, you know, have a year of experience like you, who are, who kind of stumbled into real estate investing straight, you know, out of the gate with graduating and then, you know, uh, then joining the fleet. So, you know, knowing that you had a lot on your plate, you know, with graduate, obviously graduating from the greatest academy there is, and then, uh, you know, almost immediately kind of starting to delve into not only working on your, your master's, but getting into real estate. I mean, that's a lot all at once to, to get into. So, um, you know, how did you, how did you kind of stumble upon real estate investing in the first place or was it stumbling or was it kind of premeditated? Yeah, that's a great question. So for me, right. You know, once you graduate from the Academy, you feel like a whole, a whole, you know, weight has been lifted off your shoulders, but you know, that's when the real work starts to be honest with you. That's when your journey as an active duty Naval officer or active duty Marine Corps officer starts. And, you know, that summer I was, you know, a TAD or temporary active, active assignment um, over at the Academy. So I decided to enjoy my summer in Annapolis and I really didn't want to do anything with, you know, finances, education, academics, because I knew I was going to go back into education mode um, in that fall semester at Purdue. But once I got to Purdue and I learned about my schedule, you know, I realized I had class twice a week. It was, you know, three hours on Tuesdays, three hours on Thursdays. And I had my research component as well. And I was like, well, what do I do with the rest of my time? You know, it's not like I'm being told to wake up at a certain hour and, you know, stay up until ungodly hours of the morning trying to figure out how to program a, a you know, how to program a whatever it might be or, you know, attend a practice parade and then go to the formal parade and the football game on the weekend, right? So, you know, having all that time, it really pushed me to, you know, pursue some of my own interests and my own goals. And one of those goals was personal finance and financial literacy. So I picked up, you know, quite a few books, you know, one of them being Rich Dad, Poor Dad, read it again. Uh, and, you know, I had that instant mindset shift change that people say they have from that book. And actually, I before I got into real estate, I started really learning about tax liens and, you know, how those contribute to you know, alternative forms of investing and, you know, read more about those. And I figured out, you know, I don't want to drive to sheriff's auctions all over the Midwest where I am just to go and purchase those. So I started looking more into real estate investing and I realized that, you know, getting into bigger pockets, learning about the open forums and the communities, I was just connecting with so many different people. And uh, actually I came across you, uh, you know, just through the alumni network at the Academy. And that was an instant change. I mean, I saw you doing, you know, larger multifamily deals, um, you know, when, you know, you talked about the VA loan with me and, you know, how that's a powerful tool to do the concept of house hacking, you know, unfortunately I already found myself an apartment lease, uh, but you know, that's just nature of the game, but, you know, being in a college town, being in Purdue, you know, I started to look at, you know, the, the cheap housing, right. You can buy a house in the Midwest for 50 grand, you know, I'm from Boston, you don't find anything under 500 grand. So the barrier to entry is pretty low. Um, but that's how I got my start. And, you know, you had inspired me to uh, get out of my comfort zone and, you know, pursue my action just like you did. I mean, you, you're doing an active duty and you said, you know, graduate school is a whole beast. But I mean, if you can balance it, let's see how you do. So I was like, all right, challenge accepted. And, uh, you know, attended my first meetup. That was 
that was a whole experience in itself, but it's so, extremely intimidating. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's say that. Cause I, I want to dig a little bit more into that, but um, before we kind of get into, first of all, I appreciate you. You mentioned me there. Yeah. I was, like I said, it's, it's been crazy to watch you develop over this past year. Um, but I want to, I want to get into the mindset that you had coming out of the Academy, going into your masters and realizing that you had these you know financial goals set for yourself, because I think a lot of people, when I get out of the academy, don't really think about that. They think about the fact that, oh man, I am going from midshipman pay to instant pay, and I'm going to have all this money to just go spend on alcohol and whatever else that we spend our money on. And not necessarily thinking about how can I make this money work for me, or how can I be more um, you know, financially responsible or build out a future for myself. And, and I think that's not a very common thought. So you know, where did you have any other influences that kind of led you down that path to even start thinking about that? Yeah. So, you know, going back to second class year, we're offered the career start loan, which is an extremely low interest rate loan for about, you know, 30 to $36,000 at, you know, 0.75% interest. I mean, that's the cheapest money you're probably ever going to find in your life. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, my father actually, you know, has done a lot of stocks and traditional trading options, which I, you know, I pursued at the Academy as well with the money that I had from the TSP, but I'm sorry, the career start loan. And that really, pushed me to, you know, try to find alternative forms of investing because, you know, I couldn't sit in class anymore and day trade, you know, that wasn't going to be a reality being a master's student, having to do research and then, you know, going on deployments. I mean, you get like, you know, right. You can't trade from underneath, you know, the bottom depths of the ocean in a submarine uh, while the while the market's open. So I needed to find, you know, tangible asset classes where I could diversify my, diversify my portfolio and, you know, essentially spread out my risk. And so my father was an inspiration, but, you know, reading those books and seeing other people doing it in the space, whether they were active duty or not in real estate is really what set my mind and set my path to come down this road due to the many successes as well as failures that people have seen and, you know, learn from them on the way. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very uh, advanced mindset to have as, as an ensign and, and not to belittle ensigns. I mean, we all come from different walks of life and different backgrounds and stuff, but I'm just going to tell you straight out, my thought process as an ensign is, oh man, I have all of this free money now essentially coming in for a little amount of work that I have to do. And that was not what I was thinking about at, at all when I was when I was an ensign. So I think that's very forward-minded and forward-thinking of you to have that thought process in the first place and think about, oh, and not only think about that, but like think about, oh man, stocks and and day trading and, and, and doing all the capital market kind of investing is, is a lot more intense like action intensive than a lot of people tend to think and yeah sure you can put fifty thousand dollars in the stock market and let it ride for years but like to make good money off of that to make money that you can retire off of it it takes a lot more uh a lot more involvement than a lot of people i think think and then so understanding that hey like it knowing that it takes a lot of effort and knowing it takes a lot of time you made the decision to focus on an asset class that was going to give you dividends whether you were you know, whether you were actively involved with it or not. And I think that's amazing that you kind of stumbled upon real estate as, as that option. Um, so, and then you got into, you got into bigger pockets, started networking a lot more. So, so let's fast forward to, to, uh, you know, us meeting, um, you know, at the time I know I didn't really think about it too much, but you were, you're my first mentee student, if you will, the first, uh, right. first person I, I talked to about, you know, getting started in real estate on like a, you know, more than just a couple question uh, basis. 
And uh, yeah, I remember the, the first thing we started talking about was you going out networking. And uh, so, so talk about that experience. Like, you know, I, at the time, it seemed to me like it was kind of a no brainer type of thing. Like, yeah, I mean, you want to you want to invest in this particular area, then you got to go network with people. But it seemed like it was a different conversation in your head. Yeah. So for me, the first time that we talked, I was extremely intimidated, to be completely honest with you, because, you know, I think, you know, being a senior officer, right, you never know how someone may be if they want it to be formal or not. Right. I mean, it's just a formality that always exists whenever you try to talk to, you know, real estate investors or not. You always want to maintain some cordial formality. But, you know, once we started getting into the ropes and, you know, I learned about you, your background, you know, I felt a lot more relaxed. But I remember the first assignment you gave me, it was like homework you know, beyond whatever else I was doing at the time. And it was talking about, you know, I have to go find 10 new people to network with, right? 10 new investors or 15 new investors. And I was like, this guy's crazy. This guy thinks that I'm going to have time to go talk to 10 new people or meet 10 new people. I'm like, how many people actually invest in real estate? But blow and behold, he showed me meetup.com, Facebook groups. And let me tell you that I went to my first meetup and it was the most intimidating experience of my life or one of them uh, in terms of, you know, social awkwardness. I went into a space in Indianapolis, right? I made the hour drive down from West Lafayette down to Indianapolis. And I, I walk in, have my notebook in one hand and I have my, you know, have my water in the other. And I just walk in and I, I look around and I have no idea what I'm doing. I look at people, they're talking, they're networking, you know, there's, there's some loaners kind of sitting in the back and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to the back too. So, you know, I, I tend to be a pretty outgoing person, at least I like to think so. And so I was like, hey, guys, what's up? What are you doing here? And they were like, oh, this is our first time. I was like, oh, it is mine too. You know, let, let's pretend like we know what we're doing. So we all just started talking about our backgrounds and just getting to know each other. And, you know, some of them were new. One of them was actually experienced. You know, he owned about 30, 40 units in the market. He was just looking to expand. So, you know, had some great conversations. And, you know, I found out that it was a lot easier said uh, than done. But it was also very eye-opening to see what people are doing in the space, see what people are doing across the Midwest and, really learn about, you know, Indianapolis as a whole, but, you know, expansive markets, Cincinnati, Columbus, Louisville, Lexington, just seeing that, you know, out-of-state investing is a possibility and, you know, and this was a multifamily focused event. So, you know, I was learning about the syndication model for the first time beyond what, you know, we had discussed Anthony and how people underwrote, how people were taking down these hundreds of thousands of units, um, you know, just amongst the whole circle. And, you know, it was really inspiring. And that's really what led me to, you know, pursue multifamily uh, initially. Mm -hmm. So it, it's really interesting that you had that experience, because that's a very similar experience to what I had when I first got started. Uh, I remember getting off my boat in the day before Thanksgiving 2018, and the next week showing up for a, my first meetup, and uh, had no clue what I was doing. I literally spent like a week, uh, you know, looking up books and listening to podcasts and, and being on bigger pockets. But I like, I mean, there's so much information there. I had no, I had no freaking clue what I was doing. Um, and so, but I ran into a similar situation. Like I just showed up at this thing, not knowing what to expect, not knowing if it was, you know, just going to be a whole bunch of guys trying to sell a program uh, and, you know, take my money or if it was going to be, you know, like one or two people and it was just going to be awkward. Um but it turned out to be like a really great event. And um, I was actually reminiscing with Jonathan New, who's uh, been another podcast uh, guest here, about his that very first meetup I went to was him talking about his flip uh, that he did, like his uh, flip in, in downtown Norfolk that I think he was going to get like a $100,000 profit on. 
And that's the first, you know, that's the first uh, instance that I've heard about not only people investing in real estate, but military guys investing in real estate. And I think that night we had uh, Jonathan. So he's active duty commander and we had a senior chief and then another Marine Corps colonel, I think, get up there and talk and all active duty still doing investing. And, you know, I just, I fell in love with, with this idea of, of not only investing, but doing it while active duty. So I really do connect with, you know, with your, your interaction there on, on, the, on your first time going to a meetup there. I appreciate it. And yeah, I mean, for me, I didn't even have any active duty people show up because what, I mean, what military base is in the middle of Indiana? I mean, the closest thing we have is I think Great Lakes for the Navy, uh, which is, you know, the recruit training command. So, you know, for me, it was just, I didn't have anyone that had a really similar background. Right. And I didn't really, have a connection. But, you know, once I started to tell people about, you know, what I'm doing, how I'm doing it, where I am, you know, a lot more people were receptive and open. And, you know, you can find out that a lot of people in real estate are willing to uh, not per se take a chance on you, but, per, you know, add value and even educate you the best that they can. Mm-hmm. You know, I found myself getting coffee with, you know, a few of those people and just networking even further, finding out about their networks, what they're doing. And it's just a whole expansive uh, realm that you enter one and you you probably never will turn back once you're in it so oh yeah right i mean you end up running for me you end up running the same people if you consistently go to these meetups the same people over and over again you talk about the same stuff and yeah it's 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 great to have you know not only network with people to build the connections that will get you to where you want to be but also just having a a group of individuals that are all the same have the same mindset as you, right? you know, uh, particularly in the military, it's just, it's not very common to have an entrepreneurial type of mindset. And so being surrounded by other people who have proof of concepts who like get what you're doing, who are supporting what you're doing. I mean, it's, it's huge. I mean, it's, it's, it's life-changing really. Absolutely. There's no question about that. So. Yeah. So, um, so for those guys who, you know, maybe in your situation, they're at some, you know, command and they want to go to their first meetup and they're really nervous about it. You know, what kind of advice do you have for, you know, showing up and, and connecting with people, especially if people are, are self-identified introverts and don't really know how to, how to kind of break the ice with people? What's your advice for those guys? Yeah, that's a good question. And honestly, before the first meetup that I went to, I texted Jun Shin, uh, another Naval Academy graduate who's in my class, because he was doing meetups left and right in Hampton Roads. You know, all this is pre-COVID, by the way, for the listeners. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I texted him and he was like, you know, just think about it as goal setting, right? pick three people and make it an adamant goal that you're going to talk to each person, find out where they're from, what they're doing and how they're doing it. So I said, okay. So I wrote down in my notebook before I went person, number one, contact information and what they're doing. And I made it my goal to go speak to each person. And, you know, if you're an introvert or not, you'll find out that if you pre-plan and you goal set, even for something as small as a meetup, you will find results. You will be able to take action and find results on them. Now, if you're someone who really doesn't like talking to people, bring a friend, bring a buddy, you know, find someone else who may be interested in real estate investing or who has some kind of tenacity to, you know, at least speak with people, right? They don't even need to be rem- remotely interested in real estate, but if they can get the conversation going for you and make an introduction, it'll help you a lot more and build confidence in your next time going. So, you know, those are my two pieces of advice for any yeah. listeners. I think that's really, really great advice is, uh, you know, having a plan coming into it uh, so that you don't seize up. I mean, it's, it seems super simple to just write down those, those questions, but when you're getting into a conversation or you just show up and there's a room of 50 people you've never talked to before, you don't know what it's like. It's like showing up in your first day of school and going to the cafeteria to eat and lunch is like, who, where do you sit? Like, who do you interact with? Like, 
do you sit by yourself? Do you sit with the popular exactly. people? I mean, it's, it, 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 for me, it was kind of like that anxiety and I'm sure it's something similar to you, but I think having a plan and, and understanding that everyone there is in the same boat as you and is there to network and talk and like, they, people wouldn't be showing up if they didn't want to talk to you, right? Like exactly. Those a lot of those meetups are not necessarily about the information you're going to gain from like the speaker as much as it is about networking. In my opinion, some of them are really informative, but in my opinion, you know, those events are much more about the networking that you can do and talking with people and connecting with people and talking about your deals and all of that. I completely agree with you, and I think networking is a huge component. You know, and the education piece is always great for whatever topic that may be talking about. You know, like a house flip or you know, investing in apartment syndications in Indianapolis, right? There's just so many different topics and creative ways in real estate. And I think the networking goes re really gets people excited because you get to learn about so many different aspects, successes, failures, and everything in between to, to learn from, but also to enact in your own, uh, in your own journey. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. So you went to this first networking event. It was a, a, a smashing success. You talked with a lot of people and, you know, how did that lead into where you kind of are now with, uh, with the, well, what, what's, what's just, let's start there. How did that lead into where you are now? Sure. So that's a, that's a big journey to talk about. So I'll, I'll try to explain it as much as I can, but basically I came back to West Lafayette with a huge, uh, a huge jubilance, let's say. And, you know, I was like really excited to get started. I remember I texted you and I was like, check this out. Look how many people I talked to. I got our assignment done. And, you know, we had, we had some follow-up meetings from there on after, but I remember going back and, you know, I talked to my roommates about, you know, real estate and, you know, um, one of them who's actually my full-time partner now, Nick Vu, he's a, you know, he's another Naval Academy graduate. Um, you know, we talked about it and they were like, dude, how are you going to do it without any money? And I was like, guys, like, just hear me out, hear me out. And, you know, I, I piqued Nick's interest and uh, we had ended up starting um, just partnering up together, you know, informally, you know, just going to different meetups together and networking, hopping on LinkedIn and really sprucing up our profiles to make it look somewhat that we're somewhat uh, experienced, uh, at least with education. And we just started hit the ground running. I mean, we did uh, direct mail campaigns. We did driving for dollars in West Lafayette. Originally, our plan was to buy student rentals. Uh, you know, a few houses, single family and residential multifamily in the West Lafayette market later to find out that these homes are selling at three and four caps. So, you know, Nick said, this is in California. I said, this is in Boston. So, you know, let's go down to Indianapolis where we've already been and, you know, see if we can see if we can do any damage there. And from there, we just started to network with a lot of different operators, you know, from different markets, hopping on, you know, virtual meetups after COVID started and, you know, beginning to network with people from all across the nation. And, you know, we've come across a lot of great sponsors and a lot of great operators who we're partnering up with now on these deals. Um, you know, we started to add value through deal sourcing, uh, finding creative ways to find deals and, you know, underwriting, refining our underwriting, learning how other operators underwrite so we can act it into our own and just really trying to benefit anyone we can possible to show, you know, that we're, we're serious about this and, you know, we're continuing to be serious. Actually, I've had a question posed to me a last, you know, a few times in the last month saying, you know, where, where do you see yourself going when you're in Hawaii? Right. I mean, how do you plan on doing this? And I said, I mean, I have a great example and Anthony Pinto, I've, I've said that, you know, multiple <laughs> times. I mean, he's doing it from Japan, which is not even, you know, us, that's just a whole different beast. And, you know, I say, you know, he can do it. And they're like, you know, you're a junior officer. I said, you know, he is too, but 
at the end of the day, right, it's about how much time you want to dedicate to it. If you have to wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning for a Hawaii call for a 9 p.m. or a 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time meeting, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, right? While they're sleeping, you're working. While you're sleeping, they're working, right? You have a good team and you have a good balance. And that's what you're really going to be able to find, um, you know, through networking and just basically where I've ended up now. So, yeah. No, I mean, I love that, man. It's just, it sounds like you just, you fell in love with the process and just kept trying to find ways to work with other people. And, and, you know, one thing that you really talked about there was finding what you could and couldn't do and what you could, you know, um, value add bring to a team. And I think that's a really would resonate with a lot of people getting started. You know, they may think, Hey, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have the experience. You don't even know how to, how to even talk with brokers or search for deals or whatever. And so I think the fact that you, um, you were able to figure out that deal sourcing and underwriting and, um, you know, creatively find these deals and bring them to more experienced operators who may have the capital, who may have the experience, who may have the time to do the asset management, you know, whatever you may be lacking, uh, really worked for you. And I think that's a, a great lesson for a lot of learners to understand is that, you know, you don't have to have 100% of the package built out when you go talk with these people. And most likely you're not, especially when you get, get started, but you have something that you can provide to these individuals. And for you, that was deal sourcing and underwriting. And it seems to be continuous that seems to be the thing that you're you continue to do now as well, correct? Yes, correct. And for any learners out there, I would say the way to get in are four ways. You either have a lot of time, you have a lot of money, or you're doing something proactive in the space to include capital raising. You have an extensive network, deal sourcing. You're able to go find deals, not necessarily through broker relations, or you're a great asset manager. You're someone who's boots on the ground, who's able to go and tour the asset at a moment's notice. You know, there's a lot of different ways to get into the business. And I would say, you know, pick one thing and really focus at getting good at that rather than doing everything all at once. You know, Nick and I found ourselves doing that uh, a lot. You know, we were like, all right, where do we go from point A to point B? But we would enact X amount of hurdles just to get to that point B uh, in the process. If we, you know, short sell ourselves or didn't put ourselves um, focusing on one thing. So that's what I would tell people, you know, really focus on one thing and get good at it and you'll find value and create value through that. I love it. I love it, man. So you obviously, you found your niche, you found what you were good at and what you could bring to a team. How did that kind of lead you to the team that you're working with now uh, and that these deals you have going on right now? Yeah, absolutely. So right now we're working on three deals. Um, The first deal we're working on is supposed to close this week. It's going to be a 16 unit apartment complex over in Indiana. And funny story is I actually knew the broker and the owners on the deal. So we actually met the owners at the meetup that I talked to you about uh, earlier. And the broker I met on an online meetup uh, and he's actually native to Indianapolis. So, you know, those two connections alone uh, were really fostering being able to close on that deal or being able to get that deal first of all. And it's going to be a traditional joint venture. And um, two of the partners actually on the deal we met uh, on through virtual meetups. And, you know, they, they trusted us along with, you know, the senior, um, operator on the project. And, uh, that's the first deal we're taking on. And the other ones are actually a partnership with two guys who did about 750 units down in Pensacola and other capital markets last year, uh, both active duty, you know, Jeremy and, uh, Rob Preston with climb capital. And, uh, we're taking down some mobile home park deals with them. And for us, it's really just about finding value and, you know, figuring out how to create it, right? You know, we have an opportunity. All right, what are the next steps? If we can't do it, we have to find someone else who can or who can assist us in the process. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, by finding these larger operators and these larger, you know, groups, like you mentioned, it really helps us because first of all, you know, Nick and I can't do asset management. It was, it was pretty funny. You know, Robert Preston was calling us out. He was like, you know, Nick, you're in flight school. Hirsch, you're going to be a JO. There's no way you guys can just actively operate and asset manage a property. And we said, all right, you know, let us, let us show you that we can at least, you know, handle things on the acquisitions and deal sourcing side. And, you know, so far the process is going good, knock on wood. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it's just about figuring out what you can do and what you can add to a team. And, you know, the partnerships that we've made have transcended into introductions to different partners and introductions to people who want to do deals with us in the future, because I guess they admire our ambition and our work ethic, um, you know, and, you know, I'm, I just, I'm glad to be working with the people I am and I'm hoping to, uh, to work with a lot more of you in the future for every listening. So, yeah, Absolutely. No, I think that's great that, I mean, you didn't um, close yourself off to operating with only one investor, operating with only one partner, you know, you're kind of expanding out to be almost opportunistic with uh, the opportunities that you find. I mean, it sounds like, you know, the three deals you've had, what, two two different sets of, of groups of individuals that you're partnering with there. there? Awesome. Um so, so one question that, that comes up when a lot of new guys start uh, trying to network and talk with people and partner up with people is how do you find the right partner for you? And what type of things are you looking for in the partners to, um, before you even look at what their experience is or what they can bring to the table, what things are you thinking about to make sure that you align with those individuals? Well, the first thing for me is, you know, at the end of the day, this is a person-to-person business. It's a personal, personable relationship development-oriented business, essentially. And what I mean by that is, you know, you want someone who's going to, you know, take the time to speak with you, even if it's for five minutes. I'm not asking for an hour. I'm not asking for 30 minutes. But someone to just give you the time of day to, you know, really seek, speak with you and learn who you are as an individual, right? Because, you know, if you bring a deal to, for example, BlackRock's trillion-dollar fund that they're, that they're operating, they're not going to, they're not even going to let you step into their office because it's not big enough. It's not, you know, it's not going to meet their investor criteria, but you know, for even larger operators, you know, people who take the time to build a connection or build a personable relationship with you are those that I want to work with people who take an active interest in knowing you and getting to know you. And, you know, then you can start looking at the experience, the track record, the balance sheet, whatever else that may coincide with the deal. But it's really fostering that relationship and developing a sense or a level of trust. And I think that happens with a lot of people in the military as is just by default. And, you know, you feel very comfortable, but for people who aren't, it's the same thing, right? You, you learn about who they are as people, what they do, you know, are they family oriented? Are they business oriented? And, you know, that those alone, you know, you can get a pretty good judgment of if you want to work with that person or not just from a five minute conversation. Yeah. Now, I think that's really a really good uh, point of view there because I think a lot of people um, focus on partnerships that are more based on the roles that you can fill or the uh, holes that uh, this individual can you know um, fill in for you rather than the principles or the values of which they stand upon and um, and I think that's absolutely important and something I've you know I've heard from a lot of other investors and, and actually had a conversation with Whitney Sewell about, you know, how he was very selective with the partners that he worked with. And it was all about faith, faith-based kind of principles for him, you know, um, how, and he, he spent days interacting with, you know, this, this guy and his family and seeing how he was as a husband and a, and a father and a, you know, businessman. Um, and I think that that's, uh, I think that that's 
maybe not to that extent you need to go invade someone's home and stay with them. But I think that, right. you know, on a, on a real deep level, it should be that sort of connection with the people that you're working with, right? It should be, shouldn't be just, Hey, we're going to have a one or two kind of email conversation and then decide to throw money together and throw a deal together. Uh, it should be right. like a deep seated, like, Hey, I know this person, I know what they stand for. I know that if I'm going to bring them in for, you know, to do investor relations or uh, have control of a bank account that they're not just going to take all the money and, and leave. Right. Um, and I think right. that's a, a really good uh, piece of advice you had there, which, which know, know the individual before you understand what role they're going to fill. So kudos. Yeah, there. absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, Hey, I want to jump into the, uh, the snapshot round. Cause I think you've had a, I mean, there's been a, a ton of, uh, of value that you've added uh, in terms of, you know, networking. And I think that's really the, a really key thing for you as, as someone who's an ensign, who's just starting a Navy career, uh, getting into real estate investing and, and building that out as you go through your career and, you know, and setting yourself up well to have a nest egg in, uh, in the future when you get out. So uh, I appreciate you coming on, but are you ready for the snapshot round? Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into it. All ahead, blank cavitate. Snapshot, tube tube. All right, man. Here we go. Hirsch, first question for you. What is your number one failure in real estate? Number one failure in real estate was probably going back to September of 2020 thus far, right? I mean, I've only had a year, but September 2020, we ended up going under contract on a 39 unit apartment complex and it didn't, it didn't end up going, uh, going through completion. So, you know, that was a failure, but I see every failure as a learning opportunity, right? You know, it's a mindset shift thing. You know, if you see it as a way to learn from, it's just giving you that much value for the next deal you may pursue or the next operator you may meet or the next interaction you may have with someone in the space. And, you know, I learned a lot from that deal, you know, what not to do, you know, as a seller, you know, not to be, um, you know, hiding anything or not forthcoming with information, you know, how to improve underwriting and account for certain, you know, factors in a global pandemic, um, <laughs> you know, learning about the due diligence and, you know, walking through units, seeing what, you know, affordable housing really may be um, at some points, you know, it's not all, you know, stars and stars and shiny objects. Uh, you know, it, at the end of the day, people are living here and, you know, you need to make sure it's being taken care of as if it was your own. But that I would say was my biggest failure, but also my biggest learning opportunity so far in real estate. So did you, uh, did you release contract due to stuff found in due diligence then? Was that what happened? Yeah. So what we ended up doing was we ended up going through the whole uh, due diligence process just to come to find out that the owners were withholding a lot of information from us, you know, lying about basic CapEx repairs, foundation issues, roof repairs. And, you know, we ended up retrading with them and, you know, they said, you know, absolutely not, no thanks. And, you know, that, that was that we ended up closing the contract and um, these were your quintessential slumlords. Um, <laughs> and they just, you know, they were just riding the property out for the cash flow, not taking care of the tenants, but, you know, we ended up not being able to pursue the deal just because of the, uh, the price and the, the hidden, uh, the, the deceit, deceitful information that essentially came across the, our, our desk. So I got you. I got you. Okay, cool. All right. As an active duty investor, what advice do you have for other military investors to be successful? I would say the number one thing is someone who's active duty is, you know, being able to balance your time out and being able to dedicate it to something that you really want to do. Right. Again, I haven't had an operational tour yet, but what I can tell you, you know, having a full-time master schedule plus doing this, 
you need to balance out the time and really make sure that you're understanding where you need to be at what place and when. Now, people say time blocking, scheduling a calendar. I mean, what I like to do at the beginning of the week is, you know, look at my whiteboard, look at my Google calendar and say, okay, from this time to this time, I'm going to try to do this, right? You don't, you don't ever have anything pre-planned for the whole week, right? You, I mean, something's going to come up, this and that, but at least try to have a framework of, you know, if you know where you're going to be for eight hours in the day, you know, work, work accordingly, right? You know, if you need to take meetings in the morning before you go to work, great. If you need to go work out, you know, during your lunch period and, you know, take a working lunch, do that. But, you know, try to find out time where you can really dedicate yourself if you want to see yourself in this space and roll with it, right? Continue to do what you were doing, you know, on the weekends, you know, work during the weekends. That's another thing. Uh, as much as people hate doing that, you know, make sure you're working during the weekends and just keeping the grind going. That's about it. Love it. Awesome. All right. What inspired you to serve your country? That's a great question. So, you know, going back to August of 2006, I was naturalized as a U.S. citizen. So I was actually born in India and my parents had immigrated over here when I was four months old. And as I was growing up, my parents told me, you know, don't take any opportunity for granted. And, you know, you're in a land of opportunity, freedom, and nothing should limit you. So when I held up my right hand to take the oath uh, of naturalization, I was, I was moved. I said, you know, this country has given so much for me and my family. And, you know, at, at this point I was nine years old. Right. And I just felt a astounding wave of, you know, patriotism come across me. And I said, all right, I know what I want to do with the rest of my life, or at least for some part of my life, I want to be able to give back to the country that's given me so much. And that inspired me to, you know, continuously look into a career moving forward in the military or through public service. And I decided to attend the United States Naval Academy coming out of high school. And uh, that's where the story has led to now. So awesome. Hey, I think that's amazing. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it is a, quintessential American dream type of immigrant story. And I love, I love hearing that. Man. It's uh, it's kind of something similar for me too, but yeah, that's, that's really cool. Really Thank cool. you. All right. And then last question for you. What is your dream, Hirsch? My dream is to honestly inspire other people who are young, old, you know, in a job that they hate or in a job that they love that there are alternative forms to investing rather than giving Wall Street your money. Right. At the end of the day, I want to benefit as many people as I can with alternative investment opportunities, education, and just giving back my time to serve better, you know, those who are less fortunate or who may need guidance in certain areas. Right. I'm, I'm just always willing to help others and contribute as best as I can and make sure that people know that there are, are alternative ways to, uh, to build wealth uh, in order to live a life that someone may want to live. So. Love it, dude. I love it. Well, Hirsch, I have really enjoyed having you on here again. It's been a, it's been a pleasure to see, you know, what you've managed to accomplish over this past year. And uh, I can't wait to see what the next year or five years looks like for you, especially as you get uh, out, you get out into the fleet and uh, you know, get closer to, to getting out and working full time on this. So um, appreciate you really coming on here and, and sharing, you know, you're sharing your knowledge and your, in your experience even more so. So, but if people want to reach out to you or contact you, where can they go? Yeah, sure. Uh, you can go on LinkedIn uh, and look up my name, H-E-R-S-H space R-A-I. I'm the only one who's going to appear on LinkedIn. So as long as you spell it right, you should be good. Uh, you can also find me uh, at my name, Hirsch at RivuCapital.com. Uh, I think that'll be in the show notes. So feel free to keep in touch, you know, email me, message me on LinkedIn. I'll probably respond in about a second and then uh, we'll set up a call to talk. So Love thanks. It.
Yeah, if uh, if you guys don't know Hirsch, like he's all over the place on LinkedIn. Like I feel like every time I get on LinkedIn, it's like five things that Hirsch has posted or shared or commented on. So uh, definitely extremely active in LinkedIn and that I can uh, tell you that. So um, yeah, but we'll include that all in the show notes. And again, Hirsch, thanks for coming on here. Best of luck in Hawaii. Please stay safe back in the States and uh, yeah, we'll catch you later. Thank you so much for having me, Anthony. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. If you are a military investor and found this episode of the Lessons in Real Estate show packed with great information, tell your friends and leave a five-star rating on your listening platform. Every comment is read and appreciated. Don't forget to check out our weekly episodes of PCI Teaches, brought to you by Pinto Capital Investments. Learn about basic and advanced topics in real estate investing. Catch updates on Anthony's journey through learn and teach segments. And listen to the tales of other military investors and real estate professionals every week. We'll catch you next time on the Lessons in Real Estate show.